0: Okay. <laughs> Let me hear. Say it one more
1: time. You're listening to fail-er, fail-er, Failure Failure. Failure 101.
0: Failure.
1: Failure. Wait. Fail your. Fail your failure. 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 Wait, you're, I can't say that word. I you're listening to Paul Elmore. Perfect.
0: Father in heaven, it is, uh, it is nice to just, again, sit with people who are striving to be different and to grow and to change. Father, I pray that we can be at peace tonight, that we can hear your spirit speak to us, that we can walk out of here encouraged and knowing you better. Let each of us humble ourselves before you. Let our pride be broken. And let us find rest and peace in you. In your name, amen. Remember a couple weeks ago, I might have shared the story about the family we know whose daughter was hit by a truck down in Damascus while... She was just checking the mail one afternoon about two months, three months ago, something like that. 10 year old daughter. Here's a question for you. How would this story change for you? What feelings would arise if you were to find out that the driver of that large SUV who hit her. It was his third offense for DUI. He was driving drunk and hit her. Third offense. Would that change anything for you? Would that adjust the story? What are you aware of kind of percolating up feelings-wise? More angry. More angry. Someone else.
1: Initially my thoughts would have been um, like a what, you know, how we go what if. Well, what if that would have been dealt with appropriately. What was he out there for three times? This might not, might not have happened.
0: Yeah, the what if game.
1: More shame and guilt on my part because I have two DUIs, convictions, and I've never hurt anybody, but It would just make me think more about what I did.
0: Okay. Personalizes the story a little bit. I saw another hand somewhere? I would
2: think more in terms of what action needs to be taken to stop it from happening more times. Okay.
1: Because he doesn't seem to be learning from his mistakes. Maybe. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Or at least not in time to prevent some tragedy. How would the story change for you if you were to find out that um, the truck lost control because the driver was having a heart attack? Would that change the story at all for you? Do you notice what happens within you? Anyone wanna volunteer a response to that?
1: Well, and so twist that a little bit. He didn't take his heart medication
0: and... Okay. Yeah.
1: Yes, compassion is greater for this random
2: act of, you know, heart, you know, heart, attack moment. Okay. But I felt compassion for the addict who is still <coughs> suffering and using hmm. and can't seem to stop. Hmm. Honestly.
0: Alright. That's all right. Yes.
2: I feel like I'd have more blame on the first instant. Like, you know, point the finger at him and then the second one to go like, you know. That really mm-hmm. it's
1: really
0: unfortunate. tragic. tragic. It's yeah. a double tragedy. Double tragedy, yeah. Yeah. Imagine how that driver feels having a heart attack and hitting this little girl. Whew. Any other just initial thoughts, responses?
1: I'm still stuck on feeling guilty as a father for letting my 10 year old daughter out of my sight long enough to get hit by a truck.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Here's the hard question. Scenario number one, the drunk driver, or scenario number two, what are the consequences on the little girl? Yes? Not necessarily. She might feel differently about it as she gets older and like, learns what happened. Fair enough. Uh, emotionally, um, long-term, let's say, but how about physically? Same consequences either way. Life is messy and confusing and complex. And tonight, what I want to do is I want to talk about the concept of forgiveness and how to navigate through some of that. Because forgiveness can be complex, even conflicting at times. Would it be fair to say that each, of one, each one of us have heard somewhere that you know it's, it's a good thing to forgive, right? And yet we've also heard the idea that people need to be held accountable for their mistakes. How do you balance those things out? Can you both forgive and hold people accountable? Are they mutually exclusive? Are they in conflict with each other? Or can you navigate those waters somehow? For a lot of people, depending upon your story, you might actually fall on one side or the other. Some people who have experienced lots of tragedy in their life um, have a difficult time being able to um, forgive, and other people who have um, experienced lots of mistakes in their life tend to be able to navigate the other side of that. So what we're going to try to do is dance this dance and, and try to walk through kind of what forgiveness looks like and where it leads us and some of those kinds of things. Is that all right? Anything we need to do before we get started? Well, let's just jump in. Here we go. Forgiveness. That's Oh, forgiveness. See, that's what we're talking about tonight. All right. What I'd like to do is uh, explain before we jump into the actual process of forgiveness. Did you know that there are different kinds of hurts? There are different types, not even levels, but let's say different flavors or types of hurt. For example, um, here are some of the different kinds of hurts. People who hurt their spouses challenge their victim's assumptions, the person, the spouse who has been hurt, challenge their victim's assumptions about what control a person really has over their destiny, how much trust one can put in another's ability. For someone who has experienced, let's say, infidelity, for a spouse whose partner has been unfaithful, the consequences to that can be profound and broad. But one of the consequences around this is the the person who has been cheated on, the person who has been wounded, actually starts to question their ability to um, trust someone else with their destiny, with a long-term kind of story. They, they start to wonder, what's this long-term look like? And it shatters the, it shatters the belief in themselves, shall we say. That's one kind of hurt. Children harmed by parents may come to rely solely on themselves for their survival or well-being. A child may never again see people as sources of safety or intimacy. Can you imagine how far-reaching that is? If a young child learns very early that I cannot have my needs met by anybody else, especially my parents, the ones who are supposed to take care of me, then who is is gonna take care of me? I'm not gonna trust friends, I'm not gonna trust spouses, I'm not gonna trust siblings, I'm not gonna trust coworkers, I'm not gonna trust people in general. And so, that kind of trust is kind of um, very broad and far-reaching. People wounded by friends and co-workers may lose faith in their own judgment. People who aren't quite as close to them, not a spouse, not a family member, but now kind of the population in general, they now question their own ability. What kind of, you know, who am I making friends with? How how come I keep picking these bad people? How come I can't seem to um, find healthy people to make friends with? They question their own own, uh, ability to make decisions as well. All of these could be probably labeled as intimate injuries. An intimate injury alters our perception of reality, whether that's God, our concept of trust, or ourselves. Intimate injuries are soul-searing they don't come with, with surface level kinds of misdemeanors. I told the story last week about um, the tax lady hanging up on me. That's typically not an intimate injury. I don't have a long-standing relationship with Mrs. Tax Lady on the other line somewhere, wherever she is. Um, I don't have a lot of personal investment. Yes, I was wronged by her. Yes, I was frustrated by her, but my, my personhood, my who I am is not wrapped up in her. So when that trust is betrayed, when that failure happens, when that mistake comes down the pipe, I don't have as much invested so I don't lose as much. We're gonna talk about intimate injuries um, tonight and how to kind of navigate through the healing and restoration process. Is that making sense? Kind of the understanding of intimate injuries? Excellent, excellent. Why in the world should we forgive? Doesn't it just let people off the hook? you
1: are know, stuck. You're
0: you off the hook. Really? Oh, Jesus. Man, if you could answer these things again in the order of the PowerPoint, it makes it a little bit easier for <laughs> me, guys. Help me out. All of those are correct. Absolutely correct. Um, Forgiveness is forgiving to ourselves. It's a gift to ourself. Wrapping our minds around that, if you're not familiar with forgiveness and what that looks like, this is a whole new topic. This is even a whole new perspective shift. For people who have been hurt and wounded and still want payment, they still want some sort of recompense, then um, the idea of forgiveness for them almost feels more entrapment because it is, I'm letting someone off the hook or I'm not getting my just due or things like that. So we're going to walk through this process. Thanks for giving it away already. That's really nice. (laughs) Not forgiving, um, resentment and revenge cost us more than the one who's hurt us. Again, it is detrimental to us, but, you know, Steve gave that away, appreciate that. Countless individuals are satisfied to go on resenting and hating people who wrong them. They stew in their own inner poisons and even contaminate those around them. Forgivers, on the other hand, are not content to be stuck in a quagmire. They reject the possibility that the rest of their lives will be determined by the unjust and injurious acts of another person. Instead, people who forgive take risks to reshape their lives into something freed from past pain. It takes very strong internal resilience to know you are owed something and you're not going to get it and to say, I let it go, and I'm gonna move on, and I'm not going to stay here. Takes a lot of internal resilience to make that decision, and I absolutely believe that each one of us are capable of doing that. It is not easy. I wanna just probably put that out there right now. It is not easy. Revenge does feel good especially when you can get it, which is hard to find sometimes, but it tends to be fleeting. It tends to be temporary. We're gonna let you learn how to find some freedom in all of that. Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. A man who might know a little bit about that. One last one. Always forgive your enemies. Nothing annoys them so much. Um, Steve, you come up to me and you say, Paul, I've um, been your friend for a while now and and I'd like to ask if I could borrow $1,000, please. Because our time together, I've seen you as pretty faithful, pretty responsible, um, pretty wise, I say, okay, I'm going to take that risk. Write the check. Here you go. Within 20 minutes, it's cashed, and we make the agreement. In writing, everything's you know, put together. I'm going to get my money back in 60 days, okay? You need it for whatever you need it, and I'm going to get my money back in 60 days. Day 58 comes, day 59 comes, day 60 comes, and I see you. Hey, it's day 60. How's that 1000 bucks coming? And you, with all the sincerity in your heart, with a really good story, says, Paul, i got to tell you, I don't, I, I, I don't have it. I'm sorry. All right. You know what? We're okay so far. When do you expect to have it? Answer is, you know, three days. Pretty sure I'm going to have it in three days. All right. Day 63, I show up at your house. Steve, day 63, I kind of need that money back. I got some other stuff that I got to pay off. He says, oh, you know what? Two more days, I got a buddy. He's going to take care of things. He's going to pay me. All right. Right now, how am I starting to feel? A little am I ever going to get it? And I might be doubting my own um, judgment call of, was this the wisest thing to do? Okay, two more days. Knock on your door. You know what? Takes you a little extra longer to get to the door this time. You know who it is. Paul, don't have the money. Alright. I need the money and I need it. And I need it, you know, yesterday. No problem. I'll get it for you tomorrow. Tomorrow, knock on the door. Knock on the door. Knock on the door. Look in the window, empty apartment. Does that just burn you up? It's just like, come on. So, am I owed a thousand dollars? Is is there any question about what I'm owed? Thousand bucks. I should be charged him interest, okay? But I'm not. Thousand bucks straight up. I deserve to have my money back. So, I don't know where he went. I'm going to. Um, Start calling his landlord. I'm going to start calling his friends. I'm going to start doing some research. I take a day off of work. I track him down. And I find out that he has moved you know, over to Boise. Excellent. I take three days off of work. <laughs> Drive over to where he is. I'm owed $1,000. It's my money. I am owed it. Knock on the door. He opens the door. Oh, Paul, surprised to see you. I need my 1000 bucks, Steve. Where is it? I don't got it. Sorry. Just no more excuses. I just I, I don't have it. Not gonna happen. I need my thousand bucks. I'm gonna be back in 24 hours. 24 hours? I am owed a thousand bucks. I really am. My thousand bucks. Knock on the door again. This time he doesn't even bother opening the door. I come back the next day, start you know, pounding on the door. Where's my thousand bucks? Look in the window again, he's gone again. So I have no idea, I don't know your friends there, I don't know what's going on. I now hire an investigator. I'm going to track you down, buddy. I find out that you moved to Denver or something like that. So, Denver's a little further away and I don't know where he is, I just know he's in Denver, so I'm actually going to quit my job to go make sure <laughs> I get my thousand bucks, because I am owed a thousand bucks. You See where this story's going? I
1: actually thought you were
0: yeah, no, 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 no. I quit my job. It, it was a good, stable job, but I am not going to let it go. Is there any debate about what I'm owed? How much am I owed? $1,000. Very, very good. Do I have a right to that? Who is wrong in this scenario? Say it loudly, please. Thank you very much. Who is right in this scenario? Come on, help me out. A little louder, please. Paul. Thank you. Very nice. It's not a bad thing to be gracious, to say, you know what? Here's what I, want to, I want to help you out. And I had no evidence, I had no understanding that this is going to work out badly for me. Would that be fair to say? OK, so I'm in the right. He's in the wrong. What do we do? How do I get my 1000 bucks back? Take his car. He took it with him. I, don't, I, I can't get it. I don't know where it is. He doesn't have a car. I don't know. We're going to play with this scenario all night and figure out what to do about it, all right? That's what we're going to do. I'm going to suggest long-term good strategy is what? We're going to forgive the debt. We're going to write it off. I'm going to lose it, and I'm not going to ever get it back. And what does it look like to be able to do that, all right? But first, things to keep in mind. Ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness doesn't happen first. When you are injured, when you are wronged, when you are hurt, when Steve takes my money, I don't forgive the debt right away. Okay? Forgiveness doesn't happen first. Forgiveness doesn't happen fast. To be able to move through the forgiveness process, it takes time. We have to heal in the midst of that and so it's not an immediate type of process. It doesn't happen easily. It is something you have to wrestle with. It is something you have to come to terms with. It is something that you have to own and adjust to. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Forgive and forget. As far as the East is from the West, right? Forgiveness doesn't mean excusing. He was just having a bad day. He just got into some stuff, and you know, it was terrible. I'm not going to excuse it. It doesn't mean trusting. I'll ask the question, but don't answer it, Okay? Should I loan him money again? Forgiveness does not make you weak. Forgiveness, in fact, is the opposite of that. Forgiveness is the position of strength but it's counterintuitive. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. Do you think our relationship might be strained if I've been wronged in that way? Those are the forgiveness dozens. How many of those, or which one of those, might be different from something you have heard in the past? Is any of those new to anyone? Really? Anyone else? Any new things? Sounds like you might have a really good understanding of forgiveness here. Yes? Well, I think in the case of like infidelity, you know, like, you're trusting the forgiveness like, you know, and the forgiveness tends to
2: happen quickly because, you know, you know, people are desperate to stay together.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Nobody's ever really gotten to a forgiveness.
0: Yeah. yeah. Did I mention it's hard? Did I mention it's not fast? Jimmy.
1: Saying I forgive you is a lot different than meaning I forgive you. You can tell someone I forgive you and not mean it just to get the situation here, but when you truly mean it, that I forgive you, and, you sh- and they can see it in your eyes, something magical happens.
0: That's the profound statement of the night right there. We could just wrap up right there. That is um, very, very true. Forgiveness is an action. It's not just a statement. I got a list of statements that are powerless right now. You know, I forgive you, I'm sorry. Some of those things that are used to get out of situations but tend to lose some of their meaning. How about the process of forgiveness? Should we go through some of that? What do those steps look like um, as we navigate through some of that? To forgive, one must remember the past, put it into perspective and move beyond it. Without remembrance, no wound can be transcended. This is an uncomfortable reality. It's the client I had who uh, made some mistakes, and his wife was hurt by that. And they sat in my office together. And she's saying, I need to kind of work through this. I need to talk it out. I need to be able to share with you. I need you to be able to listen. And he says, I am not going there. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it. I just We're going to move on, and that's that very difficult place to have any sort of reconciliation, not reconciliation, um, healing done um, and reconciliation, the potential reconciliation if you don't actually go back and look at the wounds. First step is I want you to be able to identify the injury and its impact. You have to be able to clarify and articulate what exactly is the injury. If you don't do that, it's difficult to be able to fix the injury. To forgive someone you will need to know what you are forgiving. Let's put this into physical, the, the, the physical world, not just the ethereal kind of behavioral wounds. You walk into an ER and you are injured and the doctor is going to ask what? Even before, yeah, before what happened, what, what hurts? Why are you here? You know, what, what, where does the injury at? And if you say, you know what, I'm just hurt. How far is that exam going to go? <laughs> going to be kind of hard. Another question is what happened? How did this happen? Um, what are the questions would a doctor want to know? How, Any, how, much, how much pain? How much pain, What? How long have you been this way? Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly, is there something else going on that we need to know about that's going to be you know, counterproductive to what we give you? Um, what can be done about it? Maybe questions for you know, the person who is injured. You know, how's this going to get fixed? How am I going to get um, repaired? To be able to fix a physical injury, there has to be a clarification of what that injury is. The same concept happens with a personal failure or mistake on someone else's part. When you have been injured, it is appropriate to figure out, how have I been hurt? Where am I injured? How bad is it? How long has this happened? Is this happening over and over and over again? the, the more you know about it, the more clear and understanding you're going to have regarding um, what needs to be done to take care of it. Does that make sense? Would it be fair to say that that makes a lot of people uncomfortable when you have to go to them and say, I need to tell you how you have injured me. I need to point that out. How many of you like being on the receiving end of that? That's hard, isn't it? What does that feel like sometimes? Has that ever happened to anyone here? Someone?
1: Defensiveness?
0: That's a very natural response. And we've talked a lot about that in the weeks prior. Instead of listening to their pain, it's, you know, you shouldn't feel this. (laughs) Or it's not that bad. Or, no, that's what my kids say a lot. No. Or, well, you did whatever. Kind of taking that heat off of us. Being able to understand that, absorb that, and know that. The more you understand the illness, the better you'll be able to treat it. One of the ways that you can navigate through this is conversation, is talking. Yes. I have a okay, you can answer a question.
1: statement was one of your statements was identify the injury and its impact. Yes. Identifying the impact. Yes. Takes a long time. sometimes.
0: Sometimes. What a great question. Did you all hear that? The impact is long standing. Does that mean you can't forgive until you understand all that? Anyone give give a shot at the answer? Hopefully there aren't 78 issues and impacts, that, you know, because then they're out of luck kind of thing. No, I understand what you're saying. You're right. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness tends not to be a one-time thing. That's the working it out. Um, and that is actually true, again, that tends to be uncomfortable in relationships where I've made a mistake, you've identified how it's hurt me, we've worked through it for that moment, and then three days later, my wife or whoever I have hurt has another natural consequence, or that impact is now felt in a different way, and to work through that, she needs to be able to have the freedom to converse with me again. Oftentimes, that can feel like nagging, you're not letting it go. You just move on. all of those typical responses that we come to that. When we understand that, our mistakes sometimes have far-reaching consequences, and they show up, you know, a ways out. The graciousness in our heart to hear that and listen to that when we are the offender can bring great healing and make forgiveness easier on someone else's part. When that happens and we are the offendee, um, it's really nice when someone else understands that and we'll be able to listen to that. But if they won't, then we have to move through forgiveness on our own. But that might change the relationship. Again, reconciliation or trust or involvement or things like that. So, all those kinds of dynamics. Good question, though. Yeah? If I
1: could uh-huh. speak
0: to
1: that, too. I think, speaking from my own journey in that, that to know the impact is not just a one time thing. Impact, a knowledge of the impact on your life is as much a process as the act of forgiveness. And as you explore that, um, what the impact is. Because a lot of times, I do not believe as harmed, damaged people, we fully understand the depth of the impact because we're so immersed in it.
0: Yep, yep. Blind to what's in front of us sometimes. So
1: it's it's a process like onion, like peeling back
0: Yep, we're complex creatures. I want you to understand that as as well. There are oftentimes very few simple answers. The more you understand the illness, the better able you will be able to treat it. Again, talking, talking it out with the one who hurt you, um, talking it out with someone else. If the offender isn't willing to listen and engage with that. It is beneficial if you have a safe person that you can vent and move it out of kind of the front part of your brain here and process it verbally. Again, not with the intent to slander, to, to malign, to hurt, but to find that support that you need um, as you kind of move through that. Um, yeah? What if you're the offender? Yeah, what if you're the offender? What do you do? Oh, that's a great question. That's at the end of the PowerPoint. We'll get to that then. Okay. Again, ask in order. That makes this a lot easier. But forgiving ourselves is an incredibly important concept that I think, out of forgiveness, that component I think is probably the hardest to wrap our brains around. Sometimes it's easier to forgive others. Forgiving ourselves is difficult. My theory is because we have a lot more information about us our motivations, what we really think, what we really do, all of those things that we just don't know that about other people. And so we tend to judge ourselves a little bit harder. So we're going to come to that. Great question. Yes. Because we feel like a failure. And if we are a failure, what's that called? Don't let me down. Shame. Thank you very much. And we have a hard time moving it out of behavior and assigning it to character. So, but if we're the offender, actually talking it out again counselor here like talking um, if you go to someone and say I got to tell you man again not the person you have offended but because if they're not talking to you if they're not listening if you have a safe person that says listen I totally screwed up and I am just I'm feeling bad I'm hurting and I, I just I gotta I gotta get it off my chest I gotta let something else kn- I gotta let someone else know that's the Catholic tradition of confession um, there's great healing in confession Great healing in confession. Strongly recommend it. So, talking it out. And if the issues tend to be too overwhelming, if the issues are complex, There is benefit in talking to someone who understands the specific nature of what has transpired. Again, infidelity, abuse, those kinds of things, a professional, a counselor, a pastor, um, someone who has specific knowledge to the specific consequences that are going to play out over time can help you navigate those roads as well. So those are good things. Next, you need to make the injury your own. This is very, very important. Making the injury your own often, uh, can sound like you give up trying to pretend that you aren't injured. You just finally give in and say, Man, this is bugging me. This is hurting. Again, guys, stereotypical, when they get hit, when they get hurt, you know, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine, thanks. Oh, yeah. <sighs> I'm all right, nothing's wrong here. Let's keep going, okay? and they just have a hard time admitting that they've been injured, which then you know leads to they don't rest, they don't stop, they inflame the injury, it gets worse, they get worse. Look. <laughs> Again, for those listening on the podcast, the guy with his arm in the big strap is now pointing at himself, so that's, that's kind of what we do. Oh, man, it's tough, but you give up trying to pretend that nothing happened. You actually say, I am injured, I am hurt, I am wounded, I'm offended, I am bugged, I am whatever. Yes, that's the first
1: one. Are these steps, steps the same, even if you're hurt by something that isn't really that person's fault?
2: Like if they hurt you, but they didn't really do anything
1: wrong?
0: My friend's daughter. The driver had a heart attack. Is she still injured? This has nothing to do with motivation. This has nothing to do with intent. This has everything to do with evaluation whether it was malicious, whether it was accidental, whether it was negligent, a person is still injured. And so being able to just acknowledge that is important for healing to happen. Which again, is hard, isn't it? Because when we have, let's say, more compassion and understanding for someone who had the heart attack and and injured someone, who ran over someone, it's hard to put blame on them. But the reality is, whose fault is it that my... Friend's daughter got run over, even if they had a heart attack. Who's responsible for that? The guy who's driving the truck. Isn't that hard to say? Because it's like, well, that, no, fate or, you know, something. But not, his, well, yeah, it was his responsibility to drive the truck. So um, you give up trying to pretend that nothing happened, you realize that what's happened can't be undone. We haven't figured out the um, Wayback Machine yet, being able to undo some of these injuries. What has happened has happened, and it can't be changed, it can't be undone. You come to terms with the fact that life is now different. It's altered. It will not be on the same track as it was before the injury. Because of your injury to your shoulder, you have limited options right now. Long term you might have limited options and understanding that your life is going to be different till the day you die is part of this process of owning this injury. Now whether that's an injury that happened by yourself or because of someone else's choices, it's important to make that step. Don't compare yourself to others. Oftentimes lots of people have been hurt in their own way they have to work through their stuff in their own time. This often sounds like, well, it's not as bad as so and so, or "You know, it could have been worse. Those kinds of responses tend to be comparative statements. So if I am in a car accident, and the passenger in my car crushes his right arm. Um, and has to have it amputated. That's a pretty significant injury, right? In the same accident, I break two of my fingers, dislocate them, ones this way. As I am comparing myself to the other person who got off on the lighter, who got off with the lighter injury, I did. Would that still hurt? That would hurt pretty bad. And so if we are constantly comparing and saying well it's not as bad as so and so therefore I shouldn't be hurt or I shouldn't be complaining or I shouldn't even give myself the time to you know admit that I've got an injury because I'm not as bad as so and so then we tend to move past our own pains our own wounds those kinds of things and uh, we don't get the healing we don't get the, the attention that needs to happen so don't grade yourself comparatively to other people. Again, if we look at it, we can always find someone either above or below us. It just depends upon how you're doing that comparison. Minimization. Minimization is a really um, good skill set. Again, it sounds something like it wasn't that bad. Other people have been hurt worse. I'm just overreacting. I just need to be stronger. That is taking that injury and saying, you know what? Let's just move past it, because it isn't that big a deal. Finally, let the injury become part of your story. It helps you looking forward rather than looking backward most of the time. Um, Statements like, I wish this had never happened, that's people who tend to be looking backwards. They kind of keep remembering what has happened. And again, we don't have the capacity to go back in time and change those things. So we don't want to ignore them, but we want to incorporate whatever has happened into our current day story. Uh, I have a nice scar on my hand. Uh, I think I told you this maybe the first week or whatever. Uh, A battle with a washing machine and I lost, sliced my hand open. When that wound is open, when it is fresh, it limited the mobility of my hand. I just couldn't move it much. Now that the wound is healed, I have a scar. It is part of my story. I am telling you that story right now. But it is healed and it no longer inhibits my movement of my hand. We have scars all over us. We have physical scars. We have emotional scars. We have relational scars. Scars are a nice thing about that? Isn't that terrible? Because scars tell us that they aren't open wounds anymore. They're not gaping open, hindering our mobility. They're not hindering what we can or can't do. They don't affect our choices. They're just now part of our story.
1: What about the between time when it's
0: a scap? Yeah. That's where you got to keep picking at it. You got to keep picking at it. There's a little discipline there. You have to um, put yourself in places where you have to give yourself time to heal. Believe me, I don't think it would be wise for you to go out right now and just say, I just want this thing to be scarred up and, you know, let's go play ping pong or something with that busted wing of yours. When we are broken, when we are healing, we have to give ourselves time to heal for it to scar up, and then there will be different degrees of mobility, of freedom. When you have been betrayed, when you have that intimate injury, because there is a great loss, I hope... That there is deep sorrow and pain, because that tells you that whatever has been lost was valuable. When my son takes out the garbage, he doesn't come in and crying about it. Well, he doesn't. He does sometimes because it's a chore, but he doesn't cry because of the garbage that's being sent out. It's garbage. There's no value. Tears are a way to honor things that are valuable. They don't fix anything. They're a way to honor things. If you hurt deeply over something, that tends to mean that it was important to you in some way. That's why there's no such thing as negative emotions. Have you heard that before? There's no such thing as negative emotions. Every emotion has an appropriate place. There's an appropriate place for anger. There's an appropriate place for depression. There's an appropriate place for resentment. How about some of those? All emotion has a place. What becomes problematic is when our emotions become inappropriate for the situation. And trying to figure out, you know, how to find the appropriate emotion. That's what I do as a counselor a lot of times. For people wrestling with addictions and stuff, they're using an inappropriate method to meet their need. And instead of removing the inappropriate method, what we do is try to identify the need and then find an appropriate need, a way to get that need met. And when you do that, you no longer have a need for the inappropriate emotion, or the inappropriate behavior. Does that make sense? So, there's a time to heal. We've got to let ourselves heal through some of that. Did I answer that question? Sort of? Sort of?
1: I mean, you can pick at it and it'll hurt again. It'll be yep. injury again. Absolutely. And that's where we go back to what she was saying. Yeah. Can you forgive before the for it's scarred as opposed to being
0: just a scab. Yes. Because again, I'm going to suggest that you might have to forgive multiple times. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is a process. It's not a one-time thing. It is a, alright, I woke up this morning and I'm still ticked off because Steve took my thousand bucks. Alright, I'm going to let that one go. Ten o'clock. Dang it. Chump took my thousand. Okay, hold on a second. (laughs) I can keep picking at it naturally kind of keep picking at because it, it itches and I got have to Keep stopping picking at it letting it heal until eventually it's now part of my story and I have a scar there And we will we'll continue out the scenario in a minute to explain a little bit more Yeah, I can um, the concept of time and giving ourselves permission to heal without having to rush through it. I always go back to medical examples because I'm concrete, very simple, um, and I think they make a little bit more sense sometimes. If I were to break my arm, in fact, I did break my left arm a couple times growing up. First time I was six years old, fell off a jungle gym. The two bones in here, oh, the x ray there looked like that. It was just a beautiful break. They had to put me under to set it and everything. Six weeks in a big, huge cast. First week of the summer, whole bad story. Couldn't go swimming. Um, But when I was in junior high, I um, fell against a fence playing football and gave myself what's called a green stick fracture. Any medical people know what that is? The bone doesn't break. It actually twists and splinters a little bit. Kind of a weird, goofy break. I don't know. called a green stick fracture. Again, right at the end of the school year, kind of bugged, put me in a cast. Does the cast fix my arm? What does the cast do? Well, how? It keeps it immobile. The cast is just the framework that keeps it steady and our bodies, again, God has created us miraculously. We want to heal and if we can give ourselves time to heal, it will do it on its own. How long does it take a bone to fix? six weeks ish or so You keep that at cast on there for six weeks you get the cast off you get another week to make sure it's strong and you get the mobility and strength back in that and then you're good to go what if our hearts have the same idea what if our hearts and our souls and our minds want to naturally heal what if God has done that for us as well what if God has created us that same way And if we can give ourselves time and not try to push through it and not try to speed up the process, then we can actually heal better, faster, more thoroughly. The um, grieving process that we're going to talk about next week, um, how long does that typically take if someone, let's say, were to lose a spouse to death? Anyone know? Again, kind of rough numbers. 18 months to two years. That is kind of a universal uh, time to process. That's where you can get up in the morning, and that's not the first thing you think of, and you don't want to just wither and cry and you know stay in bed. Two years. Divorce. Anyone know the numbers on that? How long does it take to heal after a divorce? 18 months to two years. The same as death. Divorce tends to be a little harder, though, because the person has the potential of coming back. <laughs> you have to keep interacting with them. You have to keep, they have to have some component of your life, even to the point of, you, in case you just run into them in the grocery store, or if you're co-parenting, or if you're doing things like that, that can become difficult and painful. But our desire, our, our body's desire to heal, our souls and our hearts, is a tremendous God-given gift and if we can give ourselves patience. Now, what does hinder it, as I think you're going with this, is, um, and again, the story I use in my practice is the woman who was training for the Boston Marathon for three years, training and training and training, worked up to 26 miles, could do more, real good time, flies out three days early, gets to the hotel, friends are watching her, waiting to watch her on TV, the whole thing. The day before the race, she's hit by a bus in the hospital, watching the TV, broken legs, internal injuries. She's um, watching the TV, Here's the gun go off, watching everyone run. She says, I've been training for three years and I am not gonna lose out on this opportunity. Rips out the IVs and tries to go running.
2: <laughs>
0: How well do you think she's gonna be doing? No, no, no. no. We, can, wow. we can slow down We can slow down our healing by trying to enter into activity too fast. For those who want a definition of trauma, trauma is the thing that is preventing our minds, our souls, our bodies from being able to finish and process out scary or overwhelming events. When we get stuck in the fight, flight, or freeze scenario, and we're kind of reliving those experiences, a trauma therapist goes in and looks at that piece of shrapnel that is preventing the wound from healing. Pulls out the shrapnel, okay, metaphorically, the thing that's keeping a person from being able to move through that. And once they pull that out, our bodies, our minds, our souls tend to heal themselves. Again, it's a remarkable process that God's created in us. You had a question, here?
1: The man Steve from Colorado moves back and he's your next door neighbor. Yeah. How does the process change in that? And you can't
0: move because the economy. Of yeah, of course. <laughs> we'll come to that. Keep listening. Holy cow. Good grief. Um, we're running out of time. We're going to go really fast. Right fast. Um, it's important to identify the responsible party someone who has caused the injury needs to be able, there has to be a responsible person. Anyway, we'll get to it. Here we go. If no one is responsible for the injury, then there is no one to forgive for it. We think if we blame someone, we somehow consider ourselves better than that person. That might not be true. Someone can injure us, and we can say, you injured me. You have hurt me, you have offended me. That doesn't mean that I am putting myself in a greater position over you. It means that I'm just stating the truth. This new kind of kindness called honesty. It's a whole new concept. Oftentimes we confuse responsibility with motivation. That's the scenario with the drivers. Who's responsible? the driver both times whether he was drunk or whether he was having a heart attack he got in the car he was responsible for driving and controlling the vehicle motivation very different scenario here we don't want to confuse the two here is where we tend to use rationalization and justification to kind of navigate some of the difficult parts here Um, they didn't mean to hurt me therefore I shouldn't be hurt right It's not how it works, it's not how it works. It still ran over me with the car, I'm still injured. Uh, They didn't know what to do. They they didn't receive the training themselves, they were kind of ignorant and therefore, oh, that means I'm not hurt, it doesn't work that way. Ignorance is actually the cause of lots of injuries. Um, They tried their best, we need to give them a, you know, a free pass, because they did the best that they could with what they had. That might be true. That might be an accurate statement. Does that mean that that makes the pain that you might have experienced go away? Is that making sense? Is this rubbing anyone the wrong way? Because sometimes it's hard to kind of be okay with these ideas. Yes? mm-hmm totally in fact I like that honest answer being able to understand it cognitively and being able to internalize it is two different things for sure for sure get that one a lot the second one for children who are now adults who experience some level of uh, abuse neglect from their parents and I believe them with my whole heart Their parents did the best they could. But their best wasn't good enough. They still didn't quite meet the necessary needs of their children. Very poor family, not enough money. Um, The client who ended up only being able to eat every other day. Understandable circumstances. The parents did the best that they could but did the child get the nutritional requirements that they needed? Does that have an effect on the growth and development of that child? Okay, I wanna be real careful here that some of these are understandable, but they are not reasons to now say I shouldn't be hurt. We still need to be able to recognize I can be hurt even if these things are true. That goes back to identifying the injury and owning it. Yes? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You have to, you have to own that.
1: Well, another one is something like, it only happened
0: once, and it was a long time ago. Yeah. And therefore, it should be all better. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Can I speak to that real? Oh we're going to go over tonight, or I'll do my best. Sorry. I hear that a lot, and I wanted to give you a conceptual idea around some of that to understand that that might not necessarily be true. You have the young girl who is put to bed by her stepfather, and on this night, for some reason, as he is tucking her into bed, there is some inappropriate touching that makes her feel very confused, shall we say, scared nothing is said the next night she goes to bed what do you think she might be feeling nothing happens no touch happens Is her feeling still true and legitimate and the next night and the next night and the next night intimate injuries have long reaching consequences and so what looks like a one-time offense is not a one-time consequence. Is that making sense? Being able to wrap your head around some of that if, if you have maybe experienced just one injury but now I got all this other stuff that's kind of packed around that. I'm scared to go out. I'm scared to do this. I'm scared to do that. You know, even like a physical injury, a car accident. Now, you know, I've never had another car accident. but I'm scared to drive. That, that consequences are kind of long term and far reaching. So, oh, uh, one more. They were hurt as well. Man, they're already injured and hurt. And therefore, when they hurt me, I can't hold them responsible. It's not how it works. When we can't blame the person who injured us, usually we blame ourselves. Because we need to assign that to somewhere. A person of low self-esteem is more likely to blame themselves for a failure than a person of high self-esteem. That internalization, that shame, when that internal resiliency isn't strong enough, we tend to accuse ourselves. That's why someone with already low self-esteem uh, kind of is a magnet for more kind of self-deprecating perceptions. Here's an important one. Ideas like intentionality or wrongness may be too hard for children to grasp. A child who's dependent upon a parent for, for food, for shelter, for love and affection, when they are children, have a hard time saying that adult is wrong. And so children That's why children tend to internalize it on themselves. I must be wrong, I must be doing something, I must have done something to attract (coughs) this attention, there's something wrong with me. It isn't until we become adults that we're able to separate ourselves out and recognize, oh, adults make mistakes, and maybe it wasn't the child's fault, maybe it wasn't my fault as a child, and they can start to gain a different perspective around some of these injuries. Okay. Moving on real fast, start balancing the physical accounts. What that means is the purpose of this is to move forward towards strength, not more information. Up until now, uh, the parts of identifying the injury, making the injury your own, and identifying the responsible party is about information identification. What happened? How bad? How intense? Who's responsible? What's the consequences? Information gathering kinds of components. Part of the um, balancing the physical accounts now, the purpose is not to gain more information. You have all of that. Now it is, what are we gonna do with that and how are we going to move forward from here? Nothing more needs to be known. Now something needs to be done. This is the consequences part of injuries and mistakes and failures. It's a time to consider the injury over, it's time to create boundaries, and it's time for consequences. This is where I go to Steve and I say, Steve, I'm never loaning you $1,000 again. That's just not going to happen. That's a boundary I'm setting with him. Now, I might not set it with everybody. I might be more leery now because trusting in myself, I got burned once. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more skeptical to do that with other people. Um, But with you, for sure. Not going to happen. Not going to give you any more money. Sorry.. Uh, one other note here: um, Unhealthy activity is mirroring the injury. People who are abandoned abandon others, and people who are, who are lied to sometimes lie to other people. Um, when we don't work through our stuff we tend to repeat some of it. So this is an important part of forgiveness. Steve you owe me a thousand dollars. I really would like my thousand dollars back but I now have come to the understanding that you are never going to give me my thousand dollars. I have lost something. I've lost everything that could have been purchased with that thousand dollars. I now need to go onto my balance sheet and I now need to say, I have lost a thousand dollars and I'm never going to get it back, and I have to adjust my life. I have to live differently now. I have probably fewer choices in the short term because I don't have that money to make decisions with. I know that my life is going to be different, but I'm not going to spend any more injury or any more time pursuing what is rightfully mine. I give up the right to, to get what is owed me. So I stop chasing them and I stop hiring people to find them and I stop giving up my job and I just go back to my life and I start to live. I have forgiven the debt. You hear that in terms, in, in financial terms all the time, right? The debt is forgiven. You no longer owe that to me. Even to the point of, if you try to give it to me, what should I do? How about that? What do you think? Fair enough. Still not going to loan you it back. Okay. How many would take the money? How many would say the debt is forgiven? I don't need the money. I'm going, to let, I'm going to let you wrestle with that. Because if it is forgiven, is there anything that he owes me anymore? I
1: don't think the debt is forgiven. It's the act of not repaying the debt that is forgiven. Say that again? So I mean say it wasn't a loan. Say it was I I punched you, Okay. No, I can't really I can't go that way. Yeah. You owe me a punch back, right. and, you know, you can't take that back. But it wasn't it wasn't the money that was forgiven, you know. You still feel entitled to that money, but you've let the fact go that you're not gonna get it. I'm well, actually it's suddenly there. I'm actually
0: gonna disagree with you. Really? The debt is forgiven. On a balance sheet, again if you are looking financially, it is wiped off. It is as if you owe me nothing. That is forgiveness. I've actually done this. I loaned a
2: thousand to somebody. I told her it's okay. I've forgiven her. I said she doesn't want that. She
1: still wants to be held accountable. Of course, I still haven't seen any money from her. Yeah. But she
0: when we can't forgive ourselves, it gets in the way of relationship. Again, reverse it. I owe you a thousand bucks. And you've come to me and you say, Paul, the debt is wiped out. And I go, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But I don't want to let this go. And so I'm, I'm going to get it to you next week. I promise. And you're going, Don't need to. It's forgiven. Next time I see you, oh, Steve, you know what that thousand bucks I owe you? Tomorrow, I got a guy, okay? I'm going to get it back to you. Next time I see you, same thing. It's coming. Do you think that gets in the way of relationship? If we cannot forgive ourselves, if we cannot accept forgiveness that is granted to us, that gets in the way of relationship as much as us not granting forgiveness to others. And again, we'll talk about forgiveness um, of ourselves here towards the end. Choosing to forgive, balancing the personal accounts. Um, make the choice to release the injurer from debt. That's kind of what we just talked about here. The debt is wiped clean. You no longer owe me anything. It is as if it has not happened between us. I, you can't make up for it anymore. You can't give me anything to set aside this debt because it's gone. I don't need anything from you. And that's a very, very important concept here. Um, Make the choice to cut the bonds that connect you to the injurer. Because if the debt isn't forgiven still, then I'm still connected to you in some way. You still owe me something. We still have this thing between us. Forgiveness says, I am released from whatever you decide to do Whatever, is, whatever happens, your decisions no longer affect me. I am free. It cuts those, cuts those lines. Yeah. I just, I got a comment on Go. that.
1: Go. So, so I loaned you $1,000. Yep. You, you skipped town, yep. Idaho, Denver, all Yep. Uh, at some point, okay, I've forgiven you. Okay. Still have a slight questioning of my judgment. Yes. Five years down the road, yes. not 60 days, five years down the road, you come to me with $1,000, I take the money, and I can let go of that a little bit. Of my own questioning of my judgment. He wasn't what I thought of him for a while before the forgiveness, but just for a little while, you know, I've got this idea of, man, I can't judge anybody, you know? Like
0: what do you think? We have people shaking their head. Do you think it's possible to have freedom in those five years, and to come back to trusting yourself again.
1: Yeah, but when all of a sudden you see that money right in front of your face. I mean,
0: yeah, I'd yeah.
1: Say nine out of ten people in the room are going to take
0: it. I bet you they would too. But but the, but the idea here is: Do you need it? No. Do you need it no, you to don't. have something reconciled or cleared up? If you do. Forgiveness, I'm going to suggest, hasn't happened. If it is not necessary, if you could take it or leave it, I would suggest that you have come to terms with that injury, you have forgiven that debt, you are no longer tied to them and their decisions or their behavior, and you have a lot of freedom in that. And in fact, I never love unless I can take it or leave it. Very important principle. In fact, the scripture talks a little bit about that. If you're gonna ask questions or going over, what do you wanna do?
1: <laughs> no, real, real, <laughs> you can, real quick. Alright. i borrowed the thousand dollars, I skipped out on yep. you, I run into you a year later, yep. and I've got this thousand dollars. Yep. It's been bugging me for a year. Yep. It's been eating me alive. Yep. Even though you've forgiven me, yep. and I want you to have the money. Yep. And, and if I don't take it, and, I want to restore me. And
0: if I don't take it, does that mean that you are still stuck like Chuck? No.
1: That's a tough one there too. Give it to charity. So, so.
2: Yep, exactly.
1: Yeah. Lots of
0: things we can wrestle through here. Again, I'm glad that you're wrestling with some of this. Again, did I mention failure's hard or forgiveness is hard. Okay? Getting your head around this. It truly is, being able to internalize some of this. Let's keep what
1: I'm talking about is forgiving myself for welching on you.
0: Sure. I, I I hear what you're saying, Jimmy. Jimmy, I'm going to suggest that you can still come to a point of forgiving yourself and not having to pay it back. That is what the gospel is based upon because we can never pay it back. We can never be good enough to make up for or atone our own sins. And we have to come to an understanding that we are incapable of paying that debt and we can still be truly and completely loved and accepted and again the concepts understanding them and 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 internalizing them is a lifelong kind of learning experience make the choice to look ahead not back choosing to choosing to expect that no debt can be repaid you expect that whatever debts out there it's not going to be repaid Uh, to release another from debt does not mean that they were right and you were wrong it only means that Even though you were right and they hurt you, you do not want them to pay you back. Here's the important part, long quote. To do away with a debt is to forsake any remaining idea that the injurer has resources that you want. Even if the injurer is better off than we are, isn't that terrible when I've been screwed by somebody and they're doing better because of it? Even if they are better off than we are, when we choose to forgive in our hearts, we want nothing from that person who hurt us. An apology, a promise, a loan, or a plane trip. You are strong within yourself. You need nothing from your injurer and wish no harm on them. You are even. These things you choose. They do not just happen, but while choice brings responsibility, the new freedom of your life is well worth it. You're wronged. You're owed an apology, and you're never going to get it. You're not stuck. You can move on. You're owed money. You can move on. You're owed respect. You're owed whatever. Innocence. As long as you are saying, this person owes me something and I expect it in return, forgiveness is still being wrestled through. And that can take a while to wrestle through. Forgiveness is freeing up and putting to better use the energy once consumed by holding grudges, harboring resentment, and nursing unhealed wounds. It's the lady again, the tax lady. I could have spent the rest of the day being angry and being entitled that I was owed something. She owed me respect. She owed listening to me. And she did not give it to me. But I chose to just say, I'm not going to get it anyway. I'm going to let her go live her life. And I'm just going to know that I got injured and hurt in that way. And I'm going to have to just heal and move on. Again, comparatively, probably a little small wound. Um, Bigger ones are harder to navigate through. Oh, take a look at this. This is good. This is important. Oh, sorry.
1: Shut it down manually.
2: It's the only way. I'm
0: ready. Ricardo Montalban has a problem with the bad guy and the big monster robot. Everyone thinks he's going to go get revenge. Reminding him how he's hurt him is what it cost me. Ah, what'd you do? Oh, hold on. We'll get back to it. Let's see what it does. Searching, thinking, praying. Oh, come on! All right, hold on a second. It was good. Here it comes. This is from a, anyone know the clip? Spy Kids. 3D. All right, let's see if we can get to it here again without it. So the context is um, Sylvester Stallone, the bad guy, he's um, taken over the world in this Really bad game. He has this big robot. It's now terrorizing the city. Um, Arch nemesis Ricardo montabon and Sylvester Stallone, and everyone thinks that Grandpa again in the wheelchair is going to get um, revenge. Let's see if it's going to play here. Come on. Try it again. Oh. All right. Give me 30 seconds. I'm going to see if I can load it in a different way. Do do, do 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 counseling Oops. Oh, don't do that. Okay, there we go. Failure 101 videos Bye, kids.
2: Okay Someone further into the That's alright. Not even you. That's true. Only you can do that. You double trust us. The agency, your fellow agents, and me. Your mistake cost me my legs. Well, a mistake like that could only push someone further into the dark, and it has. Look at you now. But I gave you back your legs when you win the game. I did that for you.
0: Trying to make up for his mistakes?
2: Let me tell you all the things I've missed in my life because of the accident you caused.
0: Here's what it cost me. I
2: can't walk on the beach with my wife. I missed my daughter's
0: birth. He's uncomfortable. And
2: with Shall I continue? <laughs> now, let me tell you all the good things that came of it. Humility. Spirituality, understanding. You've been living in fear of me all these years, but I've only been searching for you, and so I can tell you that I forgive you.
0: True forgiveness.
2: I've only dreamed I would hear you say something like <laughs> that. Now the question is, can you forgive yourself? It's never too late, Sebastian. Take your time. Take your time to decide. We have about ten seconds.
0: Shuts down the robot. World's better. And then they save the world and all that things. <laughs> I was shocked when I when I saw this TV show. I mean it's a little kid movie, but they do it incredibly accurately I'm gonna tell you exactly how responsible you are here's what it cost me here's the injury that happened here's how you've been trying to get even and make up for it and I've been trying to find you to tell you that I forgive you because I am no longer held captive to your decisions that you have made I have incorporated it into my life I'm in a wheelchair now I am never gonna be different but here's what it brought me and here's how my life is different the spirituality, the other things that he lists off there. That is incorporating injury into living. And just, again, I was surprised. Little kid movie, and they got it right. It was refreshing, truly refreshing to see some of that. Oh, let's see if the PowerPoint works again. If not, then we're going to move to how we forgive ourselves. Go on. You can do it. There we go. Um... Real fast, we'll try to move through this last part here, um, because I think that this is, again, just an incredibly important skill set to learn how to do, okay? When we forgive ourselves, we have to realize that what has happened can't be undone. When I have made a mistake, when I have hurt you, I can't undo that. It's now part of reality and that it will not change. And I've got to be okay with it. This is where shame and guilt get confused all the time. If you have guilt, you can feel remorse, heartache, sorrow over the mistake you have made, which is going to be appropriate, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is part of your character. You don't have to feel shame over it. Take responsibility for your past actions, acknowledging and hurting over the pain caused. Taking responsibility is saying, I I own that I have done it, and I'm going to acknowledge to you, to other people who are impacted by this mistake, um, and I'm going to demonstrate, not contrive, but I want people to be able to see the sorrow that I feel. Instead of saying, I am sorry, the phrase I like is, I actually, um, I really prefer the, I'm filled with sorrow. That's a present moment kind of thing. I'm sorry. Again, I think it's lost some power. But if you say, I feel sorrow over what I've done. And again, if you truly are sorrowful, if that truly does hurt, that empathy, that understanding, that Um, you own that is very redemptive and healing to someone you have hurt. It is good to pay the appropriate consequences. In fact, the sooner you can get there, the faster you can move through this process. I have made a mistake. I own it. I feel bad about that. And now I need to make it right. What are the consequences for this? And I need to be willing to pay that. Whatever that is. Whether that is lost trust, whether that is lost relationship, whether that's lost money, time, energy, whatever that is. Being okay with those consequences. Instead of trying to avoid them, dodge them, deny them, defend against them, make them less in some way. If you can just say, yep, here's what I need to do to make it right. I love that phrase. What do I need to do to make this right? Ben. Great question. Great question. I'm going to skip it. Um, I'm going to answer it here in just a second, okay? Uh, Trust, trust, and we talked about trust versus control. Trust is letting go of control that those you have hurt are responsible for their own reactions and that they will heal. If I injure my wife, if I hurt my wife, I have to give her permission to be hurt But then I also have to not try to fix it. Does that make sense in regards to I have to stop her from hurting? Hurting might be the natural, appropriate consequence and response to whatever I have done and giving her permission to move through that and believe that she will heal, that that isn't going to handicap her, that she can have her own responses. That. Right there is an important piece that I think a lot of people miss when it comes to being able to forgive ourselves. We try to keep atoning for our mistakes. I got to make up for it. I got to do something to stop you from hurting. It doesn't work that way. I've injured you and you're going to hurt and this stinks and I've got to just sit in it and let you hurt and wait for time, that natural rhythm of healing to happen. You can't speed it up. If I do something and it ends up breaking your arm, I can't speed up your arm from he- to healing faster, can I? We just have to let it take its time. So let hearts, let emotions, let souls heal. That's probably one of the biggest sticking points. Understand, again, forgiving for you, to forgive yourself, understand that I no longer owe that person anything. I am incapable of repaying the debt. This, I believe, is one of the (coughs) crucial elements of being able to forgive ourselves. There are some people that will not forgive. Let's say I've done something to offend you, Ben, and um, you believe the consequences should be much stronger than, let's say, natural consequences would be. And again, who determines some of that? Um, I think that... Um, society can determine some of that. I think scripture can determine some of that. I think um, healthy relationship can determine some of that. If um, I steal $1,000 from you or whatever, okay, no longer Steve, but Ben, um, if you come to me and say, you owe me, Paul, $10,000 now because you're one day late, would that be you know, appropriate? Probably not. And I've got to be able to say, that's not appropriate, and I don't owe you that. I will be responsible for what I do owe you, but I'm not going to assume more. I don't have to open-endedly atone for my mistakes or make up for it. Offenses are limited. Does that make sense? Offenses and injuries are limited and Yes. You, you, you had that balance. Uh, I don't owe them anything. Not healthy. And I am now subjected to whatever their whims and desires are for the rest of my life. That's not healthy either. There's always an appropriate, this is, this is the appropriate consequence and I'm going to only hold myself to that limit. And I'm not going to push past it. I'm not going to become over responsible for it. Does that make sense? Incredibly, incredibly important component to being able to forgive ourselves. What have you learned from your mistake and applied that to the way you live now? Did you find value in the experience? This is called Failure 101. We all make mistakes. We all have failings. We all don't do it right. The idea here is to redeem our mistakes by learning from them and not repeating them or getting better at them as time goes on. That is how you redeem mistakes. It's just a learning process. I tried it, it didn't work, what did I learn? Adjust, move on. It's the Thomas Edison idea of, you know, I didn't have 10,000 failures, I learned 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. Each one, it was just a learning experience. and. The next one just led on to the next idea, the next idea, the next idea. Same thing here. And then, don't expect the relationship to be the same. When injury has happened, you and I, Steve, we're not going to have the same kind of relationship anymore. That has been altered. That has been adjusted. Sometimes, depending upon the offense, that relationship is altered significantly, and sometimes it's altered in a minor way, but it will always be different. It will always be changed. Sometimes we have to recognize that we've lost that relationship, that that's just not part of our people anymore. Um, Sometimes it means a limited relationship, you know, whatever that is. Questions at all? We're six minutes over. Last thoughts, yeah. Punish yourself. Punish the
1: other person.
0: Yeah. That's where someone who has been wounded has to work through that graciousness that we talked about in grace, in the grace week. Um, That would border on the line of retaliation, revenge seeking. They need to pay their due. um, And by them paying their due, I somehow feel better. That's their issue to work through they have to learn how to forgive. That hard? That's, that's uncomfortable, but that's accurate. I have offended. I own it. I admit it. I'm not going to deny it. And if you want to try to keep punish me, punishing me, you can, but I'm not going to take that punishment. I will pay the appropriate consequences, but I don't have to be punished, shall we say? little Gray fuzzy area there. Can
1: you um, come up with like, appropriate consequences
2: before you've gone through the whole process of forgiving? So, if, you know, if there needs to be boundaries set before you actually have time to forgive? Sure. Oh, yeah. Do you go through? Or is, it's not, is it like a sequential thing
0: or is it...? Uh, it's a cyclical thing is probably how I would phrase it. You can, you can be injured. You can create boundaries to just keep yourself safe so you don't get injured more. You can now work through the understanding, how I've been injured, what's happened, what's the consequences. I'm going to create, I'm going to adjust the boundaries. I'm going to start working on releasing that and not feeling like I'm owed anything. I'm going to own, I have to start coming to terms with what I've lost with some of this. And then I'm going to start trying to again, not make this person atone. I'm going to feel hurt over this, so I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to still be upset and frustrated. Um, and I'm going to work on the forgiveness piece and releasing again, and come back to it and release it. And if this person's trying to have, let's say, relationships that cross those boundaries, I might need to put up new boundaries that keep that person, you know, in a safe place. Um, and those boundaries are always dependent upon their attitude, their um, their work through this process, their owning their stuff, their being responsible and sorrowful, and all those things. And you know did I mention it's complex (laughs) and hard? So it is it's not a linear kind of thing it's cyclical and mushy (laughs) that's a technical term mushy. Yes
1: What if um, you don't or you're upset at someone who has hurt you in the past but they don't know it Yes. I mean what do you do with that how do you work through that is it just like one-sided, you talk through it, and all those things that you talk through, or do you need to go to
2: the person who you have no connection to anymore, and that just seems like it would be unnecessary drama?
0: A couple answers to that. Okay. Um, we can take the 12-step answer, which is you don't go back and try to reconcile and, and work through stuff if it's going to cause more harm. Okay, that's kind of the model from the 12-step model. Um, sometimes it is not possible to go back because the person is either gone missing dead and you can't talk to them you still need to work through the forgiveness process within yourself it doesn't mean again you're stuck it means you have to learn how to release them kind of from a distance Um, rule of thumb is you would probably go back and try to communicate to that person that they have injured you if that is necessary for you to gain some sense of power, a um, voice in some things. Uh, again, that's actually it's one of the steps we use within kind of the recovery process. If a person has been abused by someone in their past and they're still holding the secrets and the responsibility for that and the shame around that, a way to break that, that holding, that cycle of holding that is to write them a letter and again, they write it, not with an expectation in mind. Not expecting the, the offender to respond in a certain way or give them anything. It's more of, for it's to give away something that says, I'm not going to hold your shame anymore. I'm not going to hold, I'm not going to be responsible for your behavior anymore. And I'm not going to hold your secret anymore. Just letting you know. There you go. Um, or the last scenario is, if you want to have some sense of, relationship with this person, and it would be mutually safe and appropriate for both of you, um, then that would be done in an attempt to bring reconciliation. If they're not interested, or if that is not the wisest thing to do because of circumstances, then you need to let it go. Everyone tracking with that? Does that make sense? So it's not really a black and white answer, it's a kind of, it depends. Any other last questions? This week went fast. Just burned through an hour and a half. Let me pray for us real quickly. We'll let you go. And then we'll do our last teaching week next week on grief. Father, again, I admit that being able to understand and internalize and experience forgiveness is not an easy thing. And yet you call us to do it. You call us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Lord, as each person here is kind of wrestling with some of these concepts, as they are trying to identify the things in their life that they need to either be forgiven for or Seek forgiveness from somebody else. I pray that you will give them patience (coughs) to learn that skill set, that it will be done with a heart of of humility and, and appropriateness. I pray that you'll give each person here wisdom your wisdom, to know how to reflect you in every interaction and exchange that they have. Thank you for your giving forgiveness to us and releasing us and releasing us from having to earn your love. And in your name, amen.